All righty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and we are re- recording episode number 481, and this is live on Tuesday, September the 8th. Um, you know, hopefully everybody's had a great long weekend. Uh, for many of us, my kids are first day back at school. I think, Abriana, how about you? What's going on? No, my oldest has been in school, but my youngest had first day of school today, which is... Um, you know, equal parts, exciting and terrifying <laughs> Yeah, yeah. this year. So, but it's good. Super small class and she was so excited to go. And so I'm happy for her and yeah, you know, it's but it's a new like, world though, right? It's a new world. We all have to adjust as parents, as kids, yeah. as teachers, as whatever, like, you know, how it's going to work and we'll see. It's a yeah. resilient kids. Like, I mean, at least the younger ones, like they're resilient, you know, like you, like you have to put on a mask Well, all their friends have on a mask and they're cool. Like it's fine. But you know, I think it's us as adults that have a harder time adjusting and transitioning. So, you know, we just are trying to do our part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all you can do. Right. It's kind of just go with the flow, you know, try something. If it doesn't work, try something else. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, we're all adjusting, and every yep. day is a new day. So. One day at a time. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, all right. Well, uh, let's see what else. My Raptors lost yesterday. That was super disappointing. Uh, Jays are winning though, and they're even ahead of the Yankees. I mean, that's like unheard of. Like Freddie Freeman got his first Grand Slam. Yeah. Grand Slam. <laughs> there you go. There you go. The uh, I, I saw that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, MLB put out a story this morning saying the best team in New York is the Blue Jays because their their home stadiums in <laughs> Buffalo right now, <laughs> uh, which is like you know kind of fun. But anyhow, um, yeah. So there you go. Um, at least there's sports. At least there's something to watch. Well, we have a yeah we have a good show for you this week. We have four industry news stories. Uh, new no guests uh, to talk about, but. Uh, a wide array and a range of things uh, that we're going to cover today, and I'll let Abriana start us off. Yeah, this is a pretty cool story. You know, we've been talking a lot about sort of what's old is new again and how uh, people are using these times to, to be creative and how they can, um, you know, bring things to consumers and what that looks like. And uh, this story comes from Colorado. It's from Mancos uh, Creative District. Um, and they have this group of artists that is there, I guess it's more of a artsy center. You know, you think of, there's a lot of like really cool art towns out that way. You know, you think like, um, uh, what is it? Is it, uh, Sedona, Arizona and, and Tucson and kind of like some cool towns like that. And I haven't been to Mancos, but I'm assuming, you know, this is a very, another very cool art town. Um, and so there's some artists that have gotten together and they refurbished some really old vending machines to sell art in different coffee shops. And, you know, they've been selling a little bit here and there and like sold about $400 worth in the first month. And, um, you know, the proceeds are obviously going to compensate the artists and there's a coffee shop and then a cidery where they're currently in. And there's about 24 different artists that are working um, and providing different pieces of art for the machine. So, you know, the project I think has caused some artists to think a little bit differently about some of the things that they are creating. So obviously like what can fall into a vending machine and still be okay. 
you know, but they're working on different things like some, you know, greeting cards and prints and some music, jewelry, you know, different things that can, can, uh, you know, be safely packaged up and used. And I think this is really cool. Um, you know, it's also thinking about how else can we, can we make these bespoke items, you know, available to people, whether they're coming into a coffee shop. So, um, you know, I like, I love finding things that are really unique and, you know, not something that you would just find off the shelf in your local, uh, grocery store or pharmacy when it comes maybe to a greeting card or just artwork or even jewelry. So I think this is really fun. Uh, way to deliver that type of a unique sort of experience and how you, you know, buy these types of items that maybe you would usually get like at a, a fair or at, um, you know, just different kind of outlets where a lot of artists are. But, you know, these days we're just not hanging out in those types of numbers and going to those types of places. And so being able to sort of get these in front of people, you know, one by one and, and allowing them to um, interact with it on their own terms is really, really cool. So I like this. I like that they're thinking about things um, outside of the box and, you know, by putting things into a box uh, and selling them. And I just think it's really cool. You know, we've seen a lot of like new vending machine type of uh, stories, I guess, that have come out since we've been in COVID, like what people are doing, whether they're selling masks or other things and, and how people can interact with those. And, you know, maybe just keeping the the human interaction a little bit more at bay for this type of shopping. So I think this is fun. Uh, and I like to think about what else can we do like this, right? What else is, is available? Um, so what do you think? Yeah, I think it's super fun. I, it's very creative. Uh, it's a neat way to use a, you know, a vending machine. Um, and especially like, I think that idea of what you said earlier about, you know, finding something that's not, you know, sort of available everywhere. It's just, you know, local it's, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, unique in that way. I think it's interesting. You know, I think if something like this were to take off at scale, I would love to see, you know, maybe a partnership with somebody like an Etsy or, you know, that type of thing where, you know, they have, you know, these types of branded machines teaming up with artists and giving them a physical place, not just online, but giving them a physical place to actually sell their wares locally. That would be really cool um, to see that type of, um, you know, relationship evolve. Um, I think, I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, when you say thinking about other areas, I was like, I wonder what, what else, you know, could be done, like, in, in a similar way. And I was like thinking, you know, I wonder how many, like, jukeboxes are still out there, if they could be, like, refurbished to, like, highlight music from, like, local artists that are up and coming, you know, um, in those venues, or, like, you know, all kinds of things like that, right, that just tie local content, local creative um, you know, to, you know, venues, uh, and places, um, to kind of, you know, create those experiences because at the end of the day, when you, when you think about retail and I say this all the time, it, you know, if retail is going to be successful, physical retail is going to be successful. It has to be experiential. It has to be about something you can't buy on Amazon or something you can't get anywhere else because it's so unique. And if you can't buy this stuff, cause it's not commercially available, it's only in this vending machine, you know, that's part of it. Right. And maybe there's like meet the artist, you know, uh, on the weekend or, you know, whatever, like you can have all kinds of things that you can do that I think are unique about this. So I'm excited about it. And especially like, I don't know if you saw the news about the weather in Colorado, uh, these last couple of days, but they, I saw, uh, they broke the temperature record. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before it was 101 point something. Uh, and then today it's supposed to go from 101 point something to 38 um and possibly snow 
Um, oh so like there's some like massive cold front coming down the middle of Canada and the US. Um, and uh, yeah, so, um, you know, people are going to want to be indoors uh, where these machines yeah. are. Let's, you know, let's yeah, do- you know, what's interesting is that like around Mother's Day, um, I actually had bought my mother and my mother-in-law different things that I found like from their state or from their area that were locally sourced. Um, I think it was on Amazon, but you could find like local, it was like shop local dealers there. And I thought that was really cool. And, you know, you think about all of the different like delis and coffee shops and things that are all around different cities. And a lot of times people come from other places, right? Like they have their roots that have been from somewhere else. Like, you know, here in Atlanta, maybe it's like a New York deli. And so you can, you know, kind of get like that experience through the food, but it would be great to pair that with like experiences from the artists and stuff that they have inside there as well you know, when you go to pick up your coffee or your bagel and now you can see like some other interesting art or music, or like you said, different things that are locally sourced, maybe from where those, those restaurants and, and, uh, you know, coffee shop owners come from, um, that make them kind of great. Right. So, uh, there's a lot that definitely could be, could be brought in and tied together and create these experiences, even in your hometown. Like I, you know, it's hard to travel right now, but maybe you can kind of just go down to pick up a, a coffee to go and you get a little bit of an experience, you know, culturally from somewhere else. Yeah, I love it. Great idea. Um, I think we could see this all over the country. It doesn't need to be in our only kind of focused towns, but I, I could see this all over the place. All right, on to our second story. Uh, Google Maps is teaming up with a company called Passport uh, in Austin, Texas. And what they're doing is they're enabling you to pay for your parking in Austin directly through Google Maps. Uh, So basically, um, Passport is a service that's been operating in Austin for a while. They have an app called ParkX. Uh, They worked with the city uh, over the last year and turned that into ParkATX early last year. So basically, the the city's parking team uh, has been working on trying to make the experience of finding parking, paying for parking, a lot simpler, a lot easier. And now, uh, in, in teaming up with Google Maps and subsequently Google Pay, which is uh, part of this, basically you can find the parking spot, pay for the parking spot, you know, all integrated through Google Maps. So there's no need to kind of leave the platform and it's all seamless in one place um, and facilitated through the Passport, um, you know, app on the back end, I guess. Um, so you know, that's it. Simple story. Um, you know, it's all about making things easier, uh, for people, you know, and, and I think it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think especially for, you know, the, the younger, the, the population, uh, the more tech savvy, the population, you know, the better that this is, you know, I'm still personally, I'm still like, I, I'm kind of halfway between, right. I'm like, I still carry some cash in my wallet and, you know, I have, uh, Apple pay on my phone, uh, and things like that. But I, you know, I don't use it everywhere. I just, I don't even think about it all the time necessarily. I'm like, and sometimes I still pull out my debit card and tap my debit card. Most of most places and things like that. When I could be tapping my phone, um, you know, what have you, whereas my daughter, uh, it's all, it's all Apple pay. Like, you know, it's all she does. Uh, she taps her watch, she taps her phone. Uh, you know, her card is linked in there and that's it. Um, so, um, but you know, I think the name of the game here is customer service and seamless experience. And I think this, this goes a long way to do that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think that what's really frustrating is like when you think about, um, 
where you might pay for parking, a lot of times it's places you don't frequent. So, um, you know, most people who, for example, most people who commute into a city for work on a, a, you know, an ongoing basis, if they're not working from home right now, but, you know, before or in the future, it's, you know, you've got your parking situation kind of covered. There's not a lot of people who are parking like, you know, on the street, typically, you know, they probably have a garage or somewhere that they frequent and go and that's kind of handled. So for, for me, when I think about like when we're on vacation or when we're going to the beach and we need to have parking or anything like that, you know, the idea of having to download a separate app and install this or, you know, do all of these different things, I think can be a little frustrating. So anything that can incorporate into something that you already regularly use, it's very easy. Uh, likely you've already stored your payment there. You know, I think that that is um, a good customer experience, good consumer experience on a phone. And I am one of those that actually I hardly ever have cash on me. Um, and you know, I do have my debit card, but I prefer to use Apple Pay and I really only pull it out if they don't accept it. So uh, for me, I think like the less that I have to like touch and dig in my purse and find what I need, you know, the better for me. And so I like this idea of making it more seamless. And, you know, I think there's more ways in the future to to continue to push those boundaries, whether it's through, you know, through Google or just through, um, you know, maybe the device itself and like the sensors that are there within that um, and sensors like in the parking lot, you know, just making it super easy. I know that some of the newer parking situations here and like the shopping centers and malls actually have like smart parking where you can see where parking is available. And if you were able to just pay for the spot based upon like your phone and that device that is underneath the parking space, you know, that would be perfect, right? Like you don't have to move, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to go find the machine or print out anything and put it on your dashboard, it's just done. So I like the idea of making that more seamless for sure. There you go. All right. On to our next story. Yeah, so Reveal Mobile has uh, released a location-based marketing benchmark report. And, um, you know, you should definitely go and check out the report for yourself because there's a lot of numbers and statistics that are in there. But some some key things that I kind of pulled out and looked at is that um, there were two interesting stats that they stated from other publications. So um, eMarketer states that investment in geo-targeted ads is growing at 40%, which is really interesting to me. I would not maybe have expected that uh, that growth rate. I'm not exactly sure what that's based upon, so I need to do a little further digging there. But also Mobile Marketer has, um, has stated that nearly 90% of digital marketers use location data and campaigns. They didn't say like at what granularity or what level, um, but they did this study and the study was of 116 different digital marketers at agencies and brands. Um, and basically, you know, roughly half of these, uh, these, these uh, marketers who reported have used location-based marketing prior to prior to COVID and are now either using it more frequently or spending more on the strategy. So they're kind of looking to how they can use this. Obviously, I feel like people are moving around a lot less. People are uh, only visiting places, you know, that they need to frequent, such as the grocery store, maybe the drugstore, picking up prescriptions, you know, maybe uh, some other smaller things like family 
Um, but, you know, also 9% of marketers are relying on the demand side, only 9% of marketers are relying on, on the demand side platforms to run their location-based marketing campaigns. So 12% do not target via location-based campaigns at all, and 7.5% said they look to other means to target. So what I think is really interesting is I, I feel like I have seen a lot of, of news and reports about how things are shifting from... Uh, from cookie-based targeting, from location-based targeting, from uh, strictly, you know, the IDFA and the maids and the precision geo-targeting to more contextual targeting, right? So looking at other means of context, like where, maybe not where people go physically, but maybe digital behavior, different things that you can leverage off of your first-party data has become more of the forefront and what you know marketers are looking at a lot so i think it's interesting that you know and i think location is still important but i think the strategy behind it um is shifting drastic drastically so i think that before we were looking more at uh attribution right so there was a lot of companies that were using location data to to say like people who saw this ad actually you know converted and went into the store i think that's being used less and less now for several reasons one I think that you know it's being used less because the breadth of data that is necessary for that level of granularity in order to attribute those types of ads is is just not at scale. There's not enough scale to say that you know this converted into this many people in foot traffic. It's hard. It's really hard to measure. And so we know that as you get more granular with location data, you know the coverage that you have is going to significantly decrease. Um, the other thing is obviously like privacy, technology changes, all of those things are starting to, to come into consideration. So I think it's more been shifting towards like propensity scoring based upon maybe it's block level data or postal code level data or just um, you know what's going on within this radius of a certain uh, size within certain neighborhoods and what are the uh, what's the score of this to convert for specific specific products and verticals and different things like that um, so you know, I think that it's really interesting to, to see that. You can check out the full report, um, you know, from Reveal Mobile. Just head to their website. I'm sure you can download it there and uh, get lots of more information, you know, lots more information and data points um, on, you know, kind of what trends are happening right now and shifting. And we're sort of in this flux mode where it'll be interesting to see, you know, what those questions were answered now versus what they're going to be in six months. It could be very different, right? <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to add to what you've already said. I think there, it's a fantastic report. There's a lot of data in there, uh, a lot of numbers in there. So I encourage people to go and download it, check it out, um, and kind of dig into it, especially if you're a brand or agency. Um, I think there's a lot of relevant, um, you know, value to, to what they've put in here. Um, you know, I, I think in particular for me, kind of the the discussion on, you know, the CPC and CPM uh, numbers and kind of what the, those look like for location-based audiences versus non-targeted, uh, um, you know, geo audiences is, is very interesting. And the, the part, uh, you know, where they talk about, um, you know, sort of the value of these two different industry segments, um, I also found quite interesting. So they said, like, 31% um, of health and beauty, beauty and fitness uh, companies are 
running geo-targeted ads right now, um, you know, versus all the way down to the bottom where, you know, 11% only of toy and hobby uh, companies are running geo-targeted ads. And, and I found that interesting because, you know, I think about both as somebody who has kids, um, you know, and have just come through, you know, months of COVID, I think about, you know, almost like um, it, in some ways, you'd almost think it should be the reverse, right? Because, you know, if you're not, maybe if you're not going into the physical world, you're not going into your office, you're not, you know, um, you know, having to put on, you know, makeup and dress up and all of that in the same way that you would normally, um, you know, maybe that's, you know, sort of less of a target versus, you know, lots of people I know, at least families with kids, are trying to find, you know, toys and entertainment and I'm talking prior to school starting here, you know, crafts and things to do. Um, so you'd think there'd be a lot more investment in that, but I don't know. So I'm kind of surprised, um, you know, that, that the top is health and beauty and the bottom is, uh, is toys and hobbies. Yeah, it probably is more focused on like self-care. So uh, when I think about like health and beauty, I'm probably thinking more like, collagen peptides and things to take yeah. care of your skin um as well as like you know maybe protein and supplements and then you think about the fitness stuff like at home gym things or um uh you know workout routines that you can do like in front of the computer that you know most people are not going to the gym anymore and then obviously though if there are gyms that, that are open and they're trying to promote that they're open, they need to be very like specific to where they are open because there's many that are not, but there's some areas and locations that have reopened them. And so probably those campaigns need to be very targeted so that they're making sure they're showing the right information to the right surrounding area. So Fair enough. maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, on to our final story now. Amazon uh, has announced a, uh, a new product. Um, an um, augmented reality product called Room Decorator. Um, and this to me is, could be a game changer for a lot of people. So, um, you know, I, when I read about this, uh, I really, initially I was like, yeah, another AR product, another, you know, play something, you know, in a virtual room and kind of see what it looks like. But I, as I got digger, uh, deeper and deeper into it, I started to realize, wait a second, there, there's really something here. There's something unique about what they're doing here. So, what it is, is it lets, you know, users of room decorators see, you know, objects, see things placed in, in a room and kind of so it gets you a chance to visualize, you know, what the objects look like in your room, in your space. Obviously, you know, over the years we've talked about Ikea has been doing this, Lowe's has been doing this, you know, paint companies have been doing this with paint colors and all that kind of stuff, which is all great. What's a little bit different about this, though, is you can place multiple objects that are available in Amazon into the room at the same time. So you could grab a desk and grab a lamp and grab a TV and grab a whatever, uh, you know, all different items from different brands, all available on Amazon and place them all in the room all at once and kind of see what that looks like. So that to me in itself is very interesting. Um, and uh, so, so that's one aspect of it. The other part that I, I'm really excited about about this is that, um, you can um, basically um, take a snapshot of the room that you've created and save that uh, as a room to visualize later. 
and um, you can take this on the road with you. So let's say you're, you, you know, you've created your room, you, or you got this saved snapshot of your room, and then you you're out, you know, out and about doing your shopping, and you pop into a store and you see something that you like that's really interesting. You can then kind of pull it up on your phone, the room that you already created, and then take that object and stick it into, into your room. So it's portable in that sense. It's not just this one-time experience that uh, you know you're just playing around with. You can kind of take it with you, um, you know, as you're out kind of visiting different you know furniture stores or different kinds of stores um, and finding things out there in the physical world that you, you want to kind of pull into your virtual room and kind of see what they look like. So you can save a snapshot of your room. You can visualize kind of you know what these items look like while you're shopping away from home on a mobile device, as well as obviously seeing it while you are at home. Um, and if you're not yet committed to making the purchase, uh, then you can save an image of the room, uh, furnished with the potential purchases uh, from Amazon, and then store those basically as like a wish list in Amazon for later. Um, you know that you can kind of come back to. So. I personally, I think this is like well thought out, uh, a super kind of brilliant way to, you know, ha have you pull multiple objects into a room from different brands, from different companies all at once. And this ability to kind of take it on the road with you while you're shopping away from home, I think is, is, is brilliant. Yeah, I think it's very interesting from a business perspective that they're opening this up that you can try other things not from Amazon, right? I think that's really, um, I mean, I think it's great as a consumer, right? But from the business perspective, I think it's really interesting that they're doing that. I also think that Amazon has so much, um, you know, in the home goods in, you know, area and that vertical, but there's very, it's, it's a hard purchase for people likely because you can't necessarily visualize how it's going to fit or how it's going to look and all of those things. And so having the ability to bring that in before you make that purchase is great because obviously like returning a bed or a chair or a kitchen table is not ideal for most people. Um, and so I think that, you know, making more, um, being more sure of your, of your purchase is, is really a great thing. So I, I mean, I like it. I want to play with it obviously and, and see how, you know, I can kind of redo my rooms and adding little things here and there. Um, so I think it's really fun and I think that they'll get a lot of use out of it. And ultimately I do think that it will drive more of the, the purchases that they have, um, you know, of the, the different home goods that they offer within yeah. Amazon, which is obviously a ton. Yeah. And they're not alone in this space, right? Like I said, Ikea is doing stuff. Wafer has got AR, uh, in their, in their platform as well. Um, uh, but I think it's, for me, the uniqueness is the multiple objects, different brands, you know, stuff that they don't carry taking on the road with you. That's a little bit different. So, um, I think it's super interesting, you know, would love to play around with it. So there you go. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. You've been listening to episode 481 of Location Weekly. We thank you for listening and watching. Um, if you have kids back to school, you know, uh, peace be with you. Uh, you know, hope it all goes well and that your kids are okay and uh, all of that. Um, and, um, you know, if you've got feedback for us, story ideas, reach out to us. We're easily found on all the channels. If you're watching the video, contact info is at the end of the show. Um, and of course, we'll be back next week. Have a great week, everybody. Have a safe week. Stay COVID free. And uh, we'll be in we'll be back to talk to you in a short time. Bye. Bye.